before a world of heroes and villains. One power ruled it all. Black Adam. He's been asleep for 5,000 years. Black Adam, we're here to negotiate your peaceful surrender. I'm not peaceful. Nor do I surrender. These powers are not a gift, but a curse. Born out of rage. You have two choices. You can be the destroyer of this world. Or you can be its savior. North-South Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome to another special no-so report on the release of Black Adam. The latest film that's a part of the DC Extended Universe, or Cinematic Universe, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know if they know what they want to call it these days. And uh, also featuring a guy, well who honestly is probably pretty important to the world of professional wrestling, Mr. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, as the titular Black Adam. My name is Johnny C., and as always here when big blockbuster films hit the cinemas, I'm here to provide you with an analysis. As usual, we're going to be divvying this thing up into two parts. Essentially, I'm going to give a little bit of a primer or generic, generalized information about Black Adam, the DC Universe, etc., etc., that you could feel free to listen to at any time. And then, of course, once that's completed, I'll notate spoilers. I'll also put it in the show notes as well, so don't worry, folks. Like, truly, I want this to be something you can listen to with or without seeing the film. But after we call spoilers, it's going to be a full-fledged review of Black Adam. So where do we start here? Well... The first thing I want to do is talk about the DC Extended Universe in general. I don't really know what the plan is for DC and Warner Brothers, and and I don't really want to dive too far into it. I just want to point out a couple things. It is my understanding that all the DC films released since Man of Steel are still a part of the DC Cinematic Universe As you're watching Black Adam. So nothing has been erased. Nothing has been changed. I know there's a big rigmarole about uh, the Flash potentially changing the DC Universe. But the Flash doesn't come out for another year and some change. So it doesn't really matter. As you're sitting down in the theater. If you have seen DC films. Any of them since Man of Steel. It all happened. So don't worry. I guess the big question for deep nerds like myself is. Which version of Justice League happened? Justice League or Zack Snyder's Justice League? Probably a good time to note spoiler alert for any DC film that's already happened that isn't Black Adam. So, I don't think they even know inside DC Universe, inside Warner Brothers and DC films, but I will say this. The spine of Zack Snyder's Justice League and the theatrical release Justice League absolutely happened. When I say the spine, I mean the main events of the film. Steppenwolf came to Earth. The the superheroes that were the initial members of the Justice League, Justice League found a way to resurrect Superman. After some shenanigans afoot, Superman showed up and helped the Justice League defeat Steppenwolf and stave off the oncoming onslaught of Darkseid. Now, 
I'm not going to make this a podcast about the differences between the two films. Obviously, don't watch Justice League. Watch the Snyder Cut. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. It's a better film, even if you're not a Snyder Cult guy. And if you're in the Snyder Cult, seek help, okay? I'm a huge Snyder Cut fan, but the man is not the second coming of cinema. Let's just end it there. Uh, Anywho... Uh, those events happened, and that's what matters. So Superman is back li- alive and well, and, you know, it is what it is. The last theatrical release we saw was The Suicide Squad, which, of course, uh, solidified Amanda Waller's role within the DC Extended Universe. And then, of course, we had Peacemaker, starring John Cena on HBO Max. So I just love the fact that Black Adam and Peacemaker could someday have a conversation, God willing, in the DC Universe, and it would just be Cena and The Rock cutting promos on one another. But since the trailers of uh, Black Adam have already revealed that Amanda Waller is going to be in the film, uh, you know, I just thought I would point that out to you. So the DC Universe in a bit of a state of flux, but it doesn't really matter for Black Adam. Just feel secure knowing that anything you've seen before happened. Now, let's talk about Black Adam, the character. Now, this is a character that The Rock has been attached to for like 10 years. It's been a character that he wanted to bring to the silver screen in a film he's wanted to get off the ground for a really long time. But who is he? What is it that makes Black Adam worthy of his own film? Well, I don't know that he is, but that's aside from the point. Black Adam is like 5,000 years old. Now I'm just messing with history, but he's from ancient Egypt-ish area, basically, or from that sort of realm. It depends on where Kondak is located. Kondak, or Kondak, I don't know how they're going to pronounce it, is the foreign country that Black Adam is from, and that is a huge part of Black Adam's backstory. There are a couple different origins you can take, but the bottom line is this. The Wizard Shazam played by Jaimon Huntsu in the DC Universe, the same wizard that gave young Billy Batson his powers in Shazam, chose a champion thousands of years ago, a man named Teth Adam, or Tet Adam. Again, it depends on how they pronounce it. This man is usually a slave. And once given the powers of Shazam, Teth Adam takes on the moniker Black Adam, and was supposed to stand for truth, justice, and all the other attributes that the wizard Shazam wanted to have with a magical champion. Once he says the wizard's name, a.k.a. he yells Shazam, he turns into Black Adam. So it should probably be noted that as a prerequisite for this film, you should probably at least see Shazam. I don't know if it's going to matter at all, and that's kind of the sad part about the DC film universe, is it's like... You would think if someone was running around with the wizard Shazam powers in the modern day, and it wasn't Shazam, you would somehow get Shazam involved. But alas, I don't think uh, Billy Batson and his family, the Shazamily, if you will, are anywhere near this film, but whatever. I guess that's why we make sequels. So as I said, he's the first champion of the wizard Shazam and has the exact same powers. He can fly, super strength, super speed, he can shoot lightning, he can use forms of magic. And magic is the key here. We've already seen in trailers, uh, for example, there's like a scene where Black Adam is getting shot at by some folks, and he says, your magic is weak. This is a random line that might be a throwaway or just be meant to get some laughs in a trailer, but it's important to me as a nerd because it indicates that they are keeping the magic aspect of Black Adam front and center. Why is that important? Well, as Hawk might say, magic is 
happens to be one of the very few weaknesses of the big blue Boy Scout himself, Superman, and all Kryptonians. They are weak to kryptonite, and of course when they're around kryptonite, they start to lose their powers, and longer exposure makes them more vulnerable. So if you were to keep Superman next to kryptonite long enough, his super strength would dissipate, and you could just stab him with a fork enough times and kill him. I mean, it would take a while, but you could still do it. Magic, on the other hand, Superman and his family, that being Supergirl, Superboy, Superboy Prime, Crypto the Super Dog. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to stop there. They're all vulnerable to magic. So Black Adam has the upper hand if they ever get into a conflict, but of course, I doubt that would ever happen. <laughs> Anywho, that's who Black Adam is, basically. If you want to really narrow it down to a baseline blueprint, he is evil Shazam. Or is he truly evil? Well, to understand that, you really have to look at the comics that influence the character's uh, actual identity. And while Black Adam has been around for some time, like most comic book characters, there was a time way back when, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, even some of the 80s, where these characters weren't very deep. It was pretty simple. Oh, Captain Marvel, I will defeat you. That's Shazam's old name. I'm trying to just keep it simple. Shazam, I will defeat you because I am Black Adam and you are my bitch. You know, just stuff like that, and that's perfectly fine. In the early 2000s, DC Comics ran a weekly comic release called 52. Yes, there are 52 weeks in a year, and this uh, comic book had a new issue come out every week. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but fans, I don't mind telling you it's a huge deal and a very almost insurmountable task to accomplish when it comes to comic books, okay? However, 52 remains to this date one of my favorite series of all time, so I'm quite familiar with it. Now, in this series, Black Adam sets himself or installs himself as the dictator of his home nation, Kondak Kondak. I'm not sure how they're going to pronounce it. Think of it, and I'm not trying to generalize here, but it's kind of... Iraq-ish. It's a it's a Middle Eastern nation sort of illy defined. It's not ill-defined, but it's like it's you know they're not trying to use a real country. DC, of course, famous for using fake countries, fake cities like Gotham, Metropolis, uh, and things like that. Whereas Marvel traditionally uses like New York, Los Angeles, you know, etc., etc. So he instills himself as a dictator of Kondok after there's a power vacuum and basically kills the dictator who was in place at the time. And for the citizens of this country, this seems to be a good thing because there's no longer a corrupt regime running things for these citizens and they now have basic human rights. And I'm not making any comparisons to real world scenarios. I'm just giving you what 52, the comic book series, tells me. He also signs what's called the Freedom of Power Treaty with nations like Russia, China, and North Korea. Now, I have no statements to make about these countries. I just I don't. I'm just a guy. That being said, I think you can see what they're trying to say in terms of the countries that are selected for forming a union. Potential threats to the American superhero and normal people community, I guess. He also finds individuals to share his powers with, much like in the film and comics Shazam. Uh, the Shazam character, that being Billy Batson, is able to share a portion of the magic that empowers him with his family, those that he loves dearest. 
Black Adam does this. He has a wife. He has a brother-in-law, etc., etc. He also does battle with the crime syndicate known as Intergang, who is basically organized supervillain crime. Um, I think the mafia, but with super villain type stuff, super villain guns, alien technology, and things like that. And often comes into conflict with Intergang during the 52 comic book series. Eventually, um, it's revealed that this Freedom of Power Treaty indicates that if the superhero community from any country that's not a part of the, the treaty infiltrates the other country, then the other countries will join them in a war. Jesus, too many. Let me simplify it. If the Green Lanterns are chasing a supervillain and they enter Russian airspace, if the Green Lantern continues that pursuit into Russia, then China, North Korea, and Kondak will send their superhero population into Russia to fight the Green Lanterns because they are all allies. And that actually does happen, and it's pretty cool, and it's also very interesting. It's, a, it's very adult as well. Now look, we're dealing with comic books here, but think about this. It's, there's a little more to it. It's sort of that feeling you get from Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice if you like that film, which I very much do. Should there be a Superman? Well, there is a Superman. Can we regulate him? Can we tell him what to do? I don't really know. Eventually, things happen, and Black Adam is beset with tragedies and crosses borders, wreaking havoc, and starts World War III in the DC Universe, which is basically the superhero populations of non-treaty countries taking on Black Adam and his supervillain army of treaty countries. It's quite interesting. It probably could have been a bit more fleshed out in the comics, but that is what Black Adam does. So, is he a hero? Well, he's a hero to the people of his nation. Um, Is he a hero to the rest of us? Well, Black Adam is the type of character that if he saw a person getting mugged in the street, would protect you. He would rip off the mugger's face, toss it to the ground, maybe piss on it and then fly okay he's probably not pissing on it but he is flying away and that is that so he he issues instant swift and final justice based on his worldview not the worldview of anyone else and i think that's sort of the genesis for what brings him into conflict with the greater dc universe now in another very famous superhero story called doomsday clock uh it's revealed that metahumans those are individuals in the DC universe that contain the meta gene. The meta gene, which I won't get into why uh, citizens of the planet Earth have it, it is a response to alien threats, and over time, humans adapt the meta gene. And if they find themselves in circumstances that trigger the activation of the meta gene, sort of like a fight or flight response, so picture that same person that's getting mugged. If they have the meta gene and their fight or flight kicks in, it may activate the metagene and give them superpowers to protect them, and now they are a superpowered individual. It's revealed that countries like America may be infecting everyday citizens with the metagene in hopes to raise a metahuman or superhero army to replace what we know as the modern military. When the greater world catches wind of this, Black Adam, still the dictator of Kondak here, in uh, World War III didn't happen because it's a new timeline. Just go with it. He offers uh, his country of conduct as a safe haven for all metahumans or for anyone who's metagene positive. He does this to the rest of the world to indicate that, hey, come here, be free. We're not going to try to, you know, turn you into soldiers or anything like that. Like, just come here and be free. It's not right what the rest of the world wants to do with you. 
Of course, secretly, he's consolidating all these metahumans into one place and creating a power vacuum leading straight into Kondok, or Kondak. And once the American superhero community comes into conflict with Dr. Manhattan, it's comic books, just roll with it, uh, he leads his army to the goddamn Capitol building, rips off the roof, and uh, attacks the United States government with his metahuman army in attempts to take over the world like he's the fucking leader of Cobra. Cobra! So yeah, obviously not a good guy there, but again, he sort of does this because he's like, you know what, if I just take over the world, everything will be better for everyone because those who do bad will be punished, done with, and those who do good will all live in beautiful, peaceful, blissful harmony. It's interesting. Like, in all seriousness, I do find it quite fascinating. Black Adam is a super interesting character, but as you can see from these plot lines that I've talked about, that being 52 and Doomsday Clock. His role in Doomsday Clock is very much in the background, and he shows up when it really matters to thrust the narrative forward. And in 52, he's one part of a much larger story that involves tons of characters. Like, he might not even be in every issue. He might not show up for a couple of weeks, because each issue is a new week in a year. So, he, to me, he works well when he's the cast of many. Well, thank goodness DC Films has decided to put him up against, for his opening act here on the silver screen, the Justice Society of America. The JSA is historically the first team of superheroes to ever make their appearance known to the world at large in the DC Universe. They emerged in the uh, 40s, and most of their origins revolve around them fighting in World War II. Over the years... There have been many convoluted ways to keep the JSA characters young and to keep them around in the modern DC universe. I'm not going to bug you with all that. I'm just going to say a few things. The JSA is traditionally a group that's centered around the generational responsibility of superheroes. So the first generation usually has a second generation come along and take up the mantle, uh, and then eventually a third generation, etc., etc., now, a lot of these names in the JSA are quite famous. Green Lantern, Flash, Our Man, Wildcat, etc. And it's like, I know using those characters is just going to confuse your audience because we think of Green Lantern and Flash as being other characters. So in the film, we've got four members of the JSA. Dr. Fate, Our, excuse me, Our Man, uh, Adam Smasher, Cyclone, and Hawkman. Jesus Christ, are we really doing Hawkman on the silver screen? Has it come to this? With all the potential... I just, you know what? I dislike Hawkman so much. I only like Hawkman when he's arguing with Green Arrow about Green Arrow's goddamn liberal sensibilities uh, because I find it very entertaining and usually side with Green Arrow, I might add. Now that shit aside from the fact that Hawkman is a ridiculously difficult character to adapt because DC Comics has yet to figure it out. So I'll just say this. These are not the four characters I would have expected to be up there on the screen. Uh, Dr. Fate will be played by Pierce Brosnan, which is casting I would have never dreamed of in my entire life, not because I never thought they could have pulled it off, just because I would have never cast Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate. I am excited to see Cyclone. I like Cyclone. I was around reading JSA when Cyclone first debuted. Adam Smasher, I don't care. 
Uh, and Hawkman, I think I've already made it clear that I'm not interested in um, because I don't think they're going to dive into any of the complex items that revolve around Hawkman, which at least would show me they've got the balls to make it interesting. So I might sound a little down on the JSA. I'm glad that somebody else is here. That being said, I have no idea how they are going to reconcile the fact that the JSA has been around for forever, or since the war, and yet the appearance of the Superman surprised the DC Universe. The fact that there were aliens surprised the DC Universe. Because in Man of Steel, one of the big talking points that uh, Perry White, Lawrence Fishburne, has with the amazing Amy Adams as Lois Lane is that, can you imagine how people would react if they knew that someone like this existed? If they knew that there were aliens, etc., etc.? And I find it a very poignant moment. And now you're telling me the JSA has been around for God knows how long, and I just don't know. So, it's a nerd complaint, but it's a valid complaint nonetheless when you're trying to advertise and sell me a cinematic universe. All in all, I probably sound down on this entire thing. I'm not. I'm very much in the middle. I'm ready to be wowed, and I'm ready to be proven wrong. But I gotta tell you, they've got an uphill battle with me, and I don't know what they have with the public at large, because I think the public at large is just like, oh, cool, The Rock's in a movie. The Rock's in a superhero movie. Oh, is The Rock going to fight Superman? Is The Rock going to fight Batman? Like, I don't know. And that's fine. I get those as the general talking points. Uh, General talking points. Nice to meet you. And I I just feel like uh, I need to separate myself from the nerd in me and just see what they do before I pass judgment. But unfortunately, as one is to do, especially on the internet, it's time to pass judgment. I've given you all I can about Black Adam without digging into uh, what I would presume would be deeper spoilers about the actual film itself. Uh, I don't want to talk more about the character because I'm pretty sure they're going to adapt some things that I'm very much used to and I don't want to spoil them with the rest of you. So as it stands, this will end our primer for Black Adam. Yep, a lot shorter than I usually do because I honestly don't really know what the public wants to hear about this character. We'll know a hell of a lot more after this weekend concludes and we have our initial box office results. So, here we go. It's time to transition to spoilers. Alright, No So listeners, thanks so much uh, for sticking with me here in a spoiler territory. And, you know, if there is, for some strange reason, um, someone out there who's listening to this who hasn't seen it, um, don't worry, because there's really not a goddamn thing to spoil. Alright, now full transparency here, folks. I am recording this the next day after seeing Black Adam. Normally, I like to do these things as fresh as possible. All that being said, however, I really had to grapple with the appropriate way to review this film. Because at first, 
I had a lot of nerd things to get through. And then, and I don't want this to get lost. I think this is the most important reason why. This film, and the criticism that I feel I'm going to lobby at it, is warranted regardless of anyone's love of the characters or the DC universe or anything like that. Because as a film, this movie fails on many levels. And I didn't want to just sit here and nerd rant because that's not effective at all. That's not effective film criticism. And um, so I'm going to do my best to blend that shit out. But if it pops through, I'm sorry. So what I want to do in this review is I, I just kind of want to go through the story beats of the film, which will, I feel, allow me to bring the relevant criticisms to the forefront, and it also allows me to find a, a natural way to work in talking about the performances and the directing, and then we'll be done. So, right from the get-go, we're introduced to Condock, which I talked about in the intro I knew would be a big focal point of this film. I enjoy the world building here quite a bit. I really did. I don't understand, though. This this film is derivative of so many things that have come before it, meaning that it lifts from other films of this genre in a way that is so painstakingly obvious. The script comes across as Frankenstein's monster in terms of hitting required comic book film tropes. The Wakandanization of Kondok, which is the weirdest thing I've ever said out loud, but Kondok, they are trying to, it seems, create a connection with the viewer with Kondok that, to mimic the connection the viewer of Black Panther would have had with Wakanda. Okay? So much in a sense that we're told that the Kandakians, if that's a word, um, were forced into slavery to mine Eternium, which is a real thing in DC Comics. Yes, chunks of the Rock of Eternity, but that's for nerds. A rare metal that is found only in Conduct. Not at all like Vibranium being found only in Wakanda. They then have created using... Because the Kandakian flag is the three triangles. It always has been. Um, pyramids, maybe. I don't really know. But uh, now the Kandak has its own hand sign. Much like the Wakanda Forever hands. I just... Wakanda in Black Panther comics and in the Marvel Universe has always felt like a destination that is lived in. Throughout the history of DC Comics, Kondak has felt more like an abstract concept. We Sure, comics have taken place in Kondak, but we've never been a man on the street in Kondak. We've never met citizens of Kondak. We've never understood anything about the, you know... Like, Wakanda has shit that is expressed and spoken about in the comics that carries over into the film like it's a it feel they marvel treats it like a real place Kondak has always been a concept it's that country that black adam rules over that's always in turmoil and chaos there's not a person on the street perspective the closest we get to it is the comic book 52 where black adam is introduced to adriana a girl who's attempted to be sold to him by intergang as a sex slave okay and of course, here she's a professor. Her son is Amon, whereas in the comics, Amon is her brother. Now, 
as the movie is still beginning, I'm into Adriana and Amon because I know the secret about these two characters. That secret is, in the comic books, Black Adam falls in love with Adriana and gives her a portion of his power, and she becomes Isis, the superheroine known as Isis. Her brother is then rescued from slavery and then turned into Osiris as Black Adam shares powers with him. So he has his own family the same way Shazam has his Shazamily. So the whole movie, I'm like, okay, I'm giving these characters the benefit of the doubt, even though Amon becomes so grating. Seriously, this kid was pulled from a 1995 film. The character, I don't think it's the actor, the man, that, the kid that plays him, he's fine. But this... You know, he shouldn't. He should never become Osiris. He should become Skateboy, the Prince of Skateboarding. Seriously, this kid is Poochie in a nutshell. I, I just want to. Mm. But I did find myself getting comfortable and interested in Kondak. I, 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 I enjoyed Intergang's presence, although this is Intergang in name only. I get no understanding of Intergang. We never do. Their bikes, their flying motorcycles, I got no problem with, but they can warp. I guess. I mean, it's a comic book movie. I, I, I'm able to go with it. I got no problem with it. But maybe give me five seconds on why they can warp. I don't know. But it just... Kondak is a Wakanda wannabe in the script. Okay? That's that's what the writers have done a disservice to this narrative. Okay? When Black Adam is awoken in the tomb, it's probably the most satisfying scene in the film for me. Because at this point, I'm still interested in Kondak. And, I mean, The Rock is such a presence. And I will say this about The Rock's performance. The script does him no favors. But, uh, he's he's Black Adam, sure. With a better script, he's better, I feel like. I mean, he's just a fish out of water. He's Drax. He's Thor. Again, he's other characters, too. But since this is a comic book genre, I want to specifically draw on past comic book inspirations and show how they've just been reformatted here to fit this film's needs. Do something different, for fuck's sake. You're dealing with a character who is so different from these characters. Make it so, as Picard would say, I guess. I just... And then, of course... Black Adam is, is destroying the intergang soldiers. He's tearing apart the military, and they just had to go and do a goddamn needle drop. Use your film score. This film does have a pretty good score. It's a comic book movie. Please, please stop dropping real songs into comic book battles. Use your goddamn score. I know Superman doesn't throw any punches in those like first five Superman movies. The John Williams score, though, plays when there's an action scene or an action beat. You know, they don't just throw in fucking the Beatles, you know. Can you just imagine, like, Superman running around saving people? It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. And when I get home to you, Lois, the things that you do, you make me feel all right. Ooh, I mean, this fucking... I'm sorry. I tried. I, I wanted so desperately to be an adult about this. Okay, I just can't. They they took a scene that was going so well, and they just they do a needle drop, and this this uh, battle in the desert, if you will, this this Black Adam taking apart of the intergang forces, gets the attention of Task Force X or Argus, which is like Shield, and like I don't know who it is. 
Like, I know it's Amanda Waller. It's just the JSA is then introduced as a need to go in and secure Black Adam that Amanda Waller has knowledge about, and that's fine. It's comic books, whatever. But um, we go to the JSA mansion, and God damn it, I hate them. I hate that they got me to pop because when they show the mansion, there's a title insert that's like St. Roche or St. Roush, Louisiana, which is Hawkman's hometown in the comics. Even though this mansion seems like it's in fucking upstate New York, Professor. Anywho, we're introduced to this version of the Justice Society of America that's perhaps the least entertaining group of heroes I've ever met in a comic book film. Okay? And these, when the JSA is introduced, is really when I start to feel the editing. This director is the Kevin Dunn of superhero films. A conversation between three individuals will have about 17 cuts in between each sentence. I can't handle this, director. This film is a monster of the editing bay. I don't know what happened here. There's so much ADR. There's so much uh, disparate continuity between even scenes. Like, I'm not. uh, So, I'm not the type of guy that notices little botches in movies, especially on a first viewing. I'll pick them up in repetition. And I can, and this is not a shot against Cyclone. I actually enjoy the actress that played Cyclone. I think there's probably something there if they ever decide to use the character again. But um, even in scenes where there are people just talking, and you might see Cyclone in the background, her hair will be down, and then she'll be walking in the background. Her hair will be up in a nice tight bun, and then we'll cut to coverage of someone else, and the hair's just down, and she's standing there listening. Like, And that just goes to show you the editing is the monster in this film to me um i don't know why i appreciate that the fonts himself henry winkler is portrayed in the dc universe as the original adam the uncle of the atom smasher and if you know anything about the atom he's just a little fucker that that fights like originally he doesn't have powers like he's just a, like a wrestler dude actually and it's just i love the idea of henry winkler being that guy Hopefully, he sticks around to see Black Adam get his ultimate win in the sequels, I guess. And Adam Smasher is a complete fucking unnecessary character who's just used for sight gags at the end of the day. We meet Dr. Fate, who who I suppose is definitely the best of the four. Even though he's been around longer than Dr. Strange as a character, here's the problem, okay? And again, this might sound like a nerd argument, but just go with me. Dr. Fate, like every other superhero, has powers that have to be visually interpreted. And we do get his Dr. Fate sigil or symbol a couple times, which I did appreciate, but he's constantly putting people in like a mirror dimension. Like, just like Dr. Like, I just... And he's making duplicates of himself, which I know... This isn't a who came first argument, but you know that that exists. You live in the real world black adam film do something different make it feel different you need to at this point because everything else in your script feels like you stole it you're a goddamn frankenstein's monster of a film in the editing bay and your script is as well cycle and pierce brosnan's fine i guess i could i could barely underhear him the audio in my theater wasn't the best like the sound was loud as fuck but the dialogue track seemed like it was in the background. It sounded like, I felt like the background noise was pushed to the foreground and every scene in the background was pushed to the, and the dialogue was pushed to the background. 
Pierce Brosnan's fine. He... I'm not trying to throw shades at this. I get this... When when actors that are more serious get pulled into these comic book films, even in Marvel films, I often can just feel them reciting their lines in front of a green screen, like wearing the motion capture dots, just not giving a fuck. And I'm not saying Pierce Brosnan didn't give a fuck, but I also can see him in there like in his costume in front of a green screen saying his lines and then they're like cut and he's just like oh well that was just that was fun what the fuck am i doing again like that's a shitty pierce Brosnan, but like i just i feel it in his performance here cyclone i'm interested in like i mentioned in the primer i i love that they get a crazy shout out to dr t.o morrow which is a crazy supervillain that invented the red tornado. I'm assuming that's the scientist that kidnapped her and infected her with nanobots. Is this fucking G.I. Joe, the Revenge of Cobra? I was waiting for Christopher Eccleston to pop up and be like, Hello, I'm Dr. Teal Morrow, and I've infected you with nanobite technology. Ah, NATO, I need you to pay for the nanobite technology so I can get in a fight with Johnny Tatum and say, Hey, uh, Johnny Tatum, guess what? I fucked the Baroness too. I know you fucked the Baroness, but I'm fucking her now, and I'm fucking a roar. You like that, Duke? I'm fucking Christopher Eccleston's Destro. I've got nanobot technology, Duke. Wow, that was a tangent. Now, in life, oftentimes we as individual human beings are challenged. And sometimes that challenge appears in the form of a nemesis. Batman has the Joker as a nemesis, for example. For you, it might be the kidsters across the street that play their music too loud every weekend when you're trying to sleep. We know here at the North South Connection Podcast Network, JT's nemesis is customer service, or bad customer service. JT's a, a guy who's nice to people that are nice to him and helpful. I'm not saying he's mean, but he's shared so many customer service stories, I have to believe that's his nemesis. Today... Thanks to this film, or yesterday I should say, I have finally found my own nemesis in life. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you to my nemesis, Hawkman. This is not only one of the most one-note, uninteresting characters I've ever encountered. I'm infuriated by the lack of any explanation as to what, who, why he is what he is. They get onto his little fucking hawk ship, and Cyclone's like, is this all nth metal? And he's like, every last piece. And me, I'm like, I know what they're talking about, but it's just tossed away. And and I don't want to even get into, like, the nerd shit. I have never seen an actor deliver a performance this poor in a modern blockbuster. I, I, I am not trying to be... Like, I, I really tried not to be mean to, like, people... And, and, and I'm sure Aldous Hodge is a fine actor and other stuff. I've, I've, I've seen uh, Straight Outta Compton. I don't recall much of his performance as MC Ren, uh, but it certainly didn't stand out to me like this. But something was... I just... Every time he was on screen, I just wanted to leave. It was X-Pac heat. I don't understand. His... It's so grating. And it has nothing to do with comic books. Like, this performance is bad. I don't, I wish I could quantify it more. It was just a feeling that I had. You know, later in the film, when Dr. Fate tells him that he tells Hawkman that Hawkman's going to die, I cheered in the theater. And it wasn't packed, it was an afternoon showing. 
But I, some people looked, and I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, get this man off my screen, please. I will do anything. Later in the final battle, when there's a tease that he gets impaled and killed for actual real this time, I clapped hard. And I'm not the type of person that tries to do that. This was a primal response. I fucking hate Hawkman in this movie. I think it's awful. I think the performance is god-awful, and I want it to disappear forever, and I'm sorry that I can't quantify that with adult-based dialogue. I really am. I just felt it in my bones. I've seen tons of movies with subpar acting before, and I've seen tons of characters that I don't really give a fuck about, but for some reason there's absolutely zero redeeming qualities to this character, and his inclusion in the narrative is completely unnecessary. The constant constant bickering back and forth with Black Adam about, like, killing, and heroes don't do that. I'm fucking Hawkman. I just want, like, get the fuck off my TV, or off my I don't know. I, I don't want to keep rambling on that. Eventually, the JSA shows up to Kondak, and they attack Black Adam. Sure, it's visually cool. This movie bleeds money in every action scene, and it shows. I, I won't say any negative thing about the costume design, the effects. Like, they, they brought their A game here, and they spent the money that they needed to spend. And people tell you that, that money can't buy happiness. And you know what? I don't know if that's true, but I'll tell you, money can't buy you a decent film. Like, that alone is not going to do it. Because for about the next 45 minutes, this cycle just rinses and repeats. We get the JSA and Black Adam arguing about what heroes do, what heroes don't do. And I'll tell you what, it's about a 64th of a... It's 1 64th the amount of uh, actual solid communication and information and just knowledge that uh, they use for this discussion. It's like if a, if a kindergartner wrote the Dark Knight trilogy, that's the equivalent of what heroes do you get compared to a film that handles this information properly. So we haven't even talked about the MacGuffin yet, the Crown of Sabacc, because this thing is just one of the least important like i don't know it's just a mcguffin it's just something to move the plot across but it's so i'm so uninterested in what this thing actually does okay and an inner gang tries to get it a couple times jsa helps then they argue more with black adam and eventually they get the crown and black adam reveals that uh you know he maybe he should just go to fucking movie jail for a little bit and if, and leave the scene which is mind-boggling that the rock actually agreed to get off the silver screen for a few minutes of the movie's time of course getting the crown uh, into the hands of uh, ishmael the villain here i guess who maybe question mark the leader of intergang this allows this underdeveloped and underwhelming villain to gain powers equivalent to those of the titular hero. So now we're in a Marvel movie where Iron Man just fights an evil version of himself. Whatever, I don't care. At least Sabak is from the comics. But this will also allow the villain to gain some powers that will allow him to open a portal in the sky and summon a CGI army of things that you're allowed to kill in mass without garnering an R rating from the MPAA. Seriously, fuck this movie. We've seen, oh, I can't even. I just feel like an idiot even regurgitating to you the points of this film. And I apologize, fans. And you know what? If you like the movie, that's fine. Like, 
I absolutely think that this is sort of designed to be a point-by-point crowd pleaser for the audience. And I was... I was ready to go on a ride like that. Like, I was ready to be like, you know what, just just fucking watch, man, and just enjoy yourself. But I couldn't because every five minutes they reminded me how fucking hoshposh and put together this thing was Frankenstein style, okay? Like I said, like, The Rock is fine in this movie overall. With a better script, Black Adam will be more interesting. Like, the one thing that they absolutely got right about the entire presentation is Black Adam hovering. Now, what I mean by that is, even if you've seen the movie, I don't know if you even... Like, to me, it stood out, and then it didn't stand out because it felt so in character, because it is in character. But Black Adam in the comics often hovers when he speaks, maybe just a few feet off the ground, as a way for Black Adam to show you, right from the get-go, are you sure you want to do this? Whatever this is, have a conversation about the rights and privileges to, uh, to vote that you should have in contact or uh, uh, what's right and wrong or whether you want to have a chicken for dinner or uh, you want to make a Hot Pocket. Black Adam's hovering just to let you know, okay, whatever you say, be aware, I'm Black Adam. And, and that works. He eventually tells the truth that like his son was the champion and then the son gave Rock the or you know Teth Adam the powers so he could be uh, so he could survive, and then they they kill his son, and Adam Black Adam actually destroyed ancient Kondak as we know it in the statue that he's been you know staring at the entire movie, and the the legend and the folklore that raises the folks of Kondak up is not actually uh, the champion of Black Adam; it's his son who was the champion, who did look a little more like a comics accurate Black Adam, I guess. Black Adam goes to Suicide Squad jail. And listen to me, folks. I I like James Gunn's wife. I hate the fact that I just refer to her as James Gunn's wife. What the what is her her character's name is Hardcourt, I feel like, from the Suicide Squad and from Peacemaker. And I've watched every episode of Peacemaker. I love the Peacemaker show. Okay? It's Hardcourt, okay? But Hawkman, oh, fuck you, Hawkman, and Dr. Fate bring Black Adam to Suicide Squad jail, and she shows up, and she, like, carts him away, and it's supposed to be this big wink at the audience moment, like, oh, look who's here, and look, I I love Peacemaker, and I respect the actress, Jennifer Holland, please get that right, Johnny C, please, please have to be the right name, because I just said I respect her, and I like the hardcore character, I think it's a well-done character. But what are we doing here? Like, is this supposed to be... Like, in the way it's shot, the way the dialogue is, too, it's like Hawkman's like, well, look who's here. Like, I just... It's supposed to be a thing. Like, look who's here, everybody. Look, nudge the nerd next to you. But it's such a random, uninspiring pull of a character from another DC property. I I can't imagine that this hits with anyone. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Please understand that. It's like, if, if the, you know, I, I remember uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had like Fitz and Simmons, because they were like Fitz Simmons, like the, the two doctors that were like clearly wanted to get down and get funky. Like, it's like if you pulled them into like Iron Man 3 for half a second. Like, is the audience really supposed to be like, oh shit! Like, your movie already has multiple new DC characters, not to mention the biggest superstar on the planet, Dwayne Johnson, is the lead. And here you are with this, like, dynamite cameo. 
you're just embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing the state of the DC cinematic universe is what you're doing. And that's a big nerd comment, and I'm trying not to sound like an angry white man yelling at a female. Please understand, that is the farthest thing from what this is. You know, it's just that it just reeks of desperation. Why not have Peacemaker be the guard at the prison? I know that John Cena is a lot harder to get, but just be like, I don't know. Now I'm just a nerd rambling and raving. I'm sorry. Dr. Fate dies, but as he's dying, he has the nice wits about him to get a nice cool heads-up display in the helmet view. God damn it, they're just taking everything. And, uh, you know, even though Dr. Fate was complicit and assisted in Black Adam's earlier incarceration, uh, he breaks him out of Suicide Squad jail. And Black Adam returns. Now, thank God, at least with his comics accurate costume. He's got the gold gauntlets, the belts, the full cape. His lightning bolt is now fully lit up like uh, the character is in the Shazam Ali. He kills Sabak. And then, in one of the most egregious things I've ever seen, Black Adam sits on the throne of Kondak. He makes sure to hit a very famous Black Adam pose from the 52 comics that was the cover of one of the issues where he's on a the throne of Kondak with skulls surrounding him. Now, what I noticed is Dwayne actually like cocks up the opposite knee. like He props up his knee, and then the other leg is outstretched. In the comics, Black Adam is in the opposite position. Why does that matter? Because in the movie, Black Adam flies off of the throne and smashes down onto it. And basically says, like, conduct doesn't need, like, a ruler. It needs a hero or some shit like that. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the most out-of-character thing I have ever seen done to a character that previously existed. Because Black Adam rules over conduct because he knows what's right. And if you want to go where this movie clearly thinks it wants to go in the post credit scene, we will get to it. Black Adam needs to, of course, present to the citizens of Kondak, yeah, I'm here, I'm going to protect all of you. But he needs to do it as the king, the emperor, the man in charge. He needs to, as much as he loves his country, and I believe he does, in the comics and in the cinema, He still hovers above them so they know and so everyone else on the fucking planet knows. All the metahumans, all the heroes, everyone knows this is mine. There's still a villainous modus operandi to him being an altruistic quote-unquote ruler. I hate this. The credits roll to the surprise of me, uh, Adriana and Amon don't get, you know, bequeathed Isis and Osiris powers. To the surprise of no one. Because Dwayne has spoiled it. Everyone has spoiled it. If you somehow saw this movie with it unspoiled, good for you. I wish I could have been the same. But to the surprise of no one, Amanda Waller threatens Black Adam in the heat of the night. As he's just sort of on the Kondakian throne area just watching. She shows up. And says, hey, you know, stay in Kondak. I do like that she tells him that, okay, you're back, whatever. Kondak's yours. Take it. But you leave, and you're the world's problem. You're a threat. 
because that's straight from the source material, and that at least um, paints a picture of Black Adam being a villain to the rest of the world. He's isolated to Kondak, and he says, you know, no one in the world can stop me. And she's like, well, you know, I know people who aren't of this world. And he's just like, fucking bring it. Crushes the little uh, thing, thing that she was using as a uh, way, means of communication. We get the big uh, sonic boom. And here he comes. Back in the saddle again. And I'm happy to see this. Please, don't, don't misunderstand. Henry Cavill is back as the Superman. Strangely, there's a little tinge of the John Williams iconic music. I get it. Most people associate that with Superman. I I understand. This is not going to turn into like a Snyder thing. I'm not going to rant and rave. But, um, you know, we need to talk. And Black Adam gets a shit-eating grin. And what could the future possibly hold? I don't know. But I do know what the future needs. It needs a new director. It needs a Black Adam character that is more politically motivated. And the response to Black Adam in the next whatever that happens needs to feel more adult. Can we please just get a little bit more adult and stop telling fish out of water jokes? Stop trying to... Just please. You're not Marvel. And this is about brand identity. DC is best when it takes itself seriously. It it works. I'm sorry. That's the last nerd complaint. I'm done. No wait, there's one more nerd complaint. The future the what the thing the future needs the most. No more Hawkman. Ever. I don't even want to read any comics with Hawkman in it now. The character is forever ruined for me, and I fucking hate him. I feel like dressing up like Owlman. You may not know Owlman. In some continuities, he's the long-lost brother of Bruce Wayne. Uh, but Owlman, the owl is the natural predator of the bat, and Owlman is like an evil Batman. Fucking, I just found my Halloween costume. And I'm going to wear it every day for the rest of my life. I am the new Owlman because I want to. I want Hawkman gone. And I, I, I hear, pray tell, owls kill hawks sometimes in the wild. So it's over and done with. I'm Owlman. Hawkman, I'm coming for you. Fuck you, Hawkman. I'm giving this movie a 3 out of 10. Two points go to the costume designers and the VFX artists that work really hard and put their blood, sweat, and tears into this bad boy. And the last point goes to Henry Cavill returning as Kal-El the Superman because welcome back, sir. We missed you. I'm done. I tried to keep this as adult and... um, informed as an educated opinion using cinema uh, as I could. But folks, this movie is a massive disappointment. The power, the paradigm shift at DC Universe that Dwayne Johnson has been claiming is happening is dead from the gate. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the box office is going to look like. I hope, for God's sakes, that it if it's successful, that means that is a way of telling DC and Warner Brothers that, hey, this is what we want more of, but it's not. Please. Please just do better next time. That's all I'm asking. This is like a comic book film from the early 90s where nobody was paying attention and you were lucky to get one. I'm done. But the North-South Connection Podcast Network is not done. Make sure you subscribe to the network and check out all the content we've got dropping, okay? One of these days, you're going to come across a wrestling program that's going to be your personal Superman. 
that covers the era of wrestling that you love or the pop culture things that you're obsessed with. New Generation, Monday Night Era. Got the last episode of Wrestling Warzone that just dropped that covers the Pillman's Got a Gun. Awesome, wonderful, intelligent, deep dive, reminiscent, fun. Listen to it. That's what I'm going to point you to right now. But please check out everything on the network. If you're feeling froggy and you like Johnny C, check out the Aqua Cave Podcast Network. All one, or Aqua Cave, all one word. Hawkman, you've ruined my brain. Have a great time, guys. Enjoy this film if you haven't seen it already. If you possibly can. I'm Johnny C. A winner is you. We'll see you next time on the North-South Connection Podcast Network.